Welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that doesn't want you to have a good day. We want you to have a great day. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother, Peter. (laughs) Yeah, tell me about it. I didn't even have to use my AK. (laughs) (laughs) Right. In the Uh, words of Ice Cube. um, Yeah, I don't know if I I understood that reference, but... uh, (laughs) We can talk about that later. I don't know if you want to give it away or not. Well, you'll no. You know what? Uh, eventually, you'll understand that reference. Um, okay. If you don't, if it don't, that means you didn't watch something I watched this week, and <laughs> awesome. later, later, you will understand the reference when you do catch up. <laughs> so, um, awesome. Anyway, anyway, how you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing pretty great. How about you? Um, I yeah, I'm. You know, I had a cold this week. I guess I'll talk about that real briefly. Um, nothing exciting. <laughs> Not COVID. Seriously, I went and got tested. Um, but uh, so if I sound weird, I apologize. But that's uh, why my voice sounds the way it does this week. But I'm literally on the tail end of uh, just a stuffy nose, to be completely honest. Just a little bit of congestion. Um, so because of that, I've been like just, you know, go to work and then in. You know what I mean? Like, just not doing anything, really. Um, oh, I hear you. Yeah, so that's about it. Nothing exciting. Nice. Um, why don't we uh, talk about fun stuff, though? What are you watching? What are we reading? Let's get the show going. Yeah, so um, I just I don't know what it is because I don't feel like I've done a lot of exciting stuff, but it's another one of those weeks where I just felt super busy. Like, every day I feel like I had something to do, and I haven't watched a lot. What I've pretty much only been watching is uh, two things, which is Black Mirror and uh, Harry Potter movies. (laughs) So I've mentioned before, I've kind of just been going through making sure I've watched every Black Mirror episode because there's a lot I haven't, which is pretty awesome. It's it's kind of like uh, at the end of the night, I'll usually throw one on and it's kind of like a cool (laughs) experience to have that esoteric, um, you know, short anthology story that you can watch at the end of the night. And it gives you something to think about when going to sleep, I I guess. I mean, I mean, that's not the best uh, going to bed period. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't phase me necessarily, but uh, no, I I definitely understand. (laughs) Yeah, it's like you're either going to go to sleep or you're going to stay up with ex- existential dread. You know, it's going to go one or two ways. Yeah, that's, but, not um, really, that's not really something to turn your brain off. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, it's kind of funny, though, watching Black Mirror because these there's a lot of random actors that show up that you just didn't realize were in certain episodes. Like uh, one of the recent ones I watched, which is in the third season, I think, has uh, the actor who plays a uh, U.S. agent um, from Falcon and the Winter Soldier. He sure. shows up in an episode and I'm just like, oh, wow, um, I didn't realize 
that dude was in in here. Um, fun fact: I actually learned recently that that actor is Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn's son, which is <laughs> also just another interesting tidbit. But um, yeah, he looks yeah. Just like his dad too. Yeah, um, I know. You you don't when, once you hear that, you're just like, oh yeah. I mean, I guess that is. <laughs> I guess that is true. I didn't realize that. But uh, were you just gonna were you gonna say something else? No. Oh, okay. So the first time I saw him, though, um, that actor, uh, Wyatt Russell, uh, he was in uh, 22 Jump Street. The se- the oh, second yeah. OK. He was one of the villain characters. OK, interesting. I'll have to go back and watch that and I guess notice that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, otherwise, I don't have too much to say about that. And um, the Harry Potter thing, it's just one of those things where it's probably once a year I'll end up going through and watching all those movies like oh, something will get trying, me in the movie. I thought you were trying to catch up on your Harry Potter, but all right. No, no, it's just like a <laughs> yearly uh, movie marathon that I'll do um, <laughs> pretty typically. Uh, this year, it's just kind of like the weather's super hot right now. But for a week, it was like really, really nice and like almost fall like and just having that fall sort of weather just you know, it reminded me of like the memories of, you know, fantasizing about going back to school to, uh, you know, the wizarding school of uh, Hogwarts and uh, <laughs> it just yeah, yeah. put me in the mood. So I started watching them, but I actually did a pretty good um, I have a pretty good strategy with it this time, because a lot of times I'll start watching them and I'll only get through one or two movies and then I'll get sidetracked. So this time I started with the third movie because that's kind of where they start to get good, in my opinion. And I'm just going on from there. But uh, I don't know. We've all seen Harry Potter. Most of us love it. Love it. Some of us don't. So I don't have to, you know, go too in depth there. But it's just something to keep in mind. You know, you can start a movie marathon halfway through the series if you want. Why not? <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Um other than that, the only other thing I watched was uh, the new Eternals trailer. So and I'm assuming you saw that as well. Yes, I did. Cause I told you to watch it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what, um, like I said, I've been busy, so I didn't even realize it came out, but it's all good. <laughs> no, it's all good. What do you think of the new Eternals trailer? I thought this trailer was awesome. Um, not to only be awesome, honest, not only awesome. I now understand what the hell is going on. Um, go ahead. Say what you're going to say. <laughs> yeah. Like, I feel like the first one did hint at kind of like a vague plot that was going to be going on in the movie. But yeah, you're right. This one goes a lot more in depth and it helps you make sense of this story within the confines of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like within that timeline, it seems like the story makes a lot more sense now. Um, I actually have some friends who are posting about it online because they watched the trailer and, uh, a lot of them said like they thought the movie looked boring and stuff. And so I was going into it and I was actually expecting not to like this new trailer, but I kind of came away from it. Like, I don't know what these people are talking about. Cause I think this looks awesome. Like the action just looks really, really cool. I think the whole, uh, the whole movie has just a really interesting color palette. Like it's not your typical Marvel like MCU movies, sort of like pop primary color palette. It's yeah. actually kind of like this subtle kind of this more subtle, subdued, like brown tones and sepia sort of color palette that I thought was really neat looking. And then just feeding off of that, uh, the color palette com- comment, I thought a lot of the um, a lot of the, just the design elements in this trailer were really awesome, too, where they kind of just a lot of the design elements looked like something you wouldn't 
expect out of a Marvel movie. Um, not that I, I mean, I think the costume design and set design and everything in the MCU is great, but this movie, like everything kind of, it just all has like a little bit different of a flavor and I don't even know how to describe it, but a lot of the stuff looks a lot more classical and maybe like more intricate and stuff when it comes to the costume design, the character design, some of the set work and stuff like that. So I was honestly just really impressed from like action from like an action standpoint, cinematography story. And then just, like I said, the costume design and all the artwork that went into that. I just think it looks it just looks really cool. Like it does have that sort of classical, almost like art nouveau feel to it. Like, I don't know the right words to use, but it has a different feel than the other MCU movies. And I'm definitely here for it. Yeah. And I'll agree with that. Now that I understand, like when they started talking about Thanos sounds like when the Avengers re redid the snap to bring everyone back, it really screwed things up on this whole other cosmic spectrum that we weren't aware of. Um, because they talked about the deviants um, when they asked when uh, the one voice was like, oh, so Kit Harrington was like, why didn't you come back and help before when we were dealing with all these problems? And they're just like, well, we were told we couldn't. And he said, by who? And then you see one of the Celestials. And it's yeah. Like, Ooh, how many other Celestials <laughs> are we talking about? So they didn't say it by name. But if you know Marvel Comics, um that was one of the Celestials, and I was like, ooh, that's fantastic. Like, you know, and that's the thing where I'm not a big – I don't know enough about the Eternals to really speak heavily about those characters. But um, I do know the Celestials, um, and the Deviants caught my attention. So I was like, just having some of those things in there, I was like, oh, we're going this route. Okay. So now as a fan, I can walk into this having a better understanding of where I'm going. So – um, yeah, it, absolutely. It, it just made me more excited for the trailer. So seriously, check it out. The movie actually looks really solid. I now understand just way more than I did before. So as like I said, my butt's going to be in a seat for it, but I get it now. So, yeah. And, and relating to that Celestial, which I don't know by name, but I'm a little bit familiar with the Celestials from uh, the Marvel comics and stuff. And from what I've seen, the one that this trailer kind of focuses on is like a almost like I, I feel like it's a one to one ratio where like this character's uh, the character design and the costume design for the Celestial just looks exactly like at least what I've seen from uh, the Marvel comics. So I thought that was really awesome. And uh, it was presented in a very um, in a way you can take it really seriously because like the idea of like this giant um, celestial like God creature from outer space, outer space could be presented in a really goofy way. But that's one of my favorite things about the Eternals trailer is everything is presented with uh, conviction. And it seems like they're taking everything really seriously, which personally, like I really appreciate that in a comic book movie. Like I, I take this stuff seriously. Like I love superheroes and, aliens and monsters and all that. And when a movie handles that subject matter in not necessarily a sarcastic way, but takes it more seriously, like I really appreciate that approach. So that's just kind of the feeling I've I'm left with from this trailer, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm just, I'm excited. So it's just made me, it's just made me a little bit more excited for the movie. Absolutely. Um, I watched a bunch of stuff this week though. Um, uh, 
So since we'll move on from Eternals because we'll be talking about that later when the movie comes out. Um, the Eternals trailer for one. Uh, I don't know. Did you did we talk about the Dune trailer? Is this for a game or a movie? No, the movie Dune. Oh, Dune. So I. Yeah. I, okay. Sorry, yeah, yeah. I know my my nasal congestion probably screwed that up. The Dune trailer. <laughs> I honestly can't remember because um, I remember there was a new one that came out and I don't think I've watched it yet, but I was kind of sold from the first trailer. And I think that's just kind of why. But uh, did you watch the new Dune trailer? Yeah, it actually looks really solid. Um I was I was excited for it before, but um, this is again, this delves a little deeper into the story, just like the Eternals trailer does. So if you don't know uh, the Dune franchise, you have a better idea what you're looking at and what you're going into in terms of the story. And it looks way more action packed than the originals. Um, And the special effects just look incredible. I love the shot of the sandworm. Um, Yeah. So I don't know. the The trailer looks great, but. Nice. Yeah, I'll have to check out because I think there's two trailers out now, so I'll have to I'll I'll have to check out the newest one. But uh, yeah, sounds awesome. I I, from what I've seen, I think Dune looks pretty great. So, (laughs) well, um, moving on, things I watched, uh, I I watched the season finale of The Bad Batch, which was fantastic. Um, It's technically a think of it like a two part finale. I probably should have watched those. I probably should have waited one week to watch the two episodes back to back. But uh, it was it was a great finale, great way to end the season and kind of drive us forward to the direction we're possibly going for the next one. So. um, But, yeah, so Bad Batch was great Uh, this week. Titans came back on HBO Max. So the first three episodes are out Um, at the time of this recording. They just dropped the fourth. So I haven't watched that one yet. Um, But uh, Titans, the, the start of those three episodes is awesome. Like just fantastic. And it's gritty and it's like I got some there were some moments there were some chilling moments of the are we really going here right now kind of feeling in terms of being a comic book fan. So if you haven't caught up yet, Peter on Titans, you really need to check that show out because it's fantastic. Um <laughs> That's awesome. I, I really wanna binge through it at some point. I don't know why it hasn't been on my radar for a bit, but uh yeah, I watched like the, the first season and like half of the second and I fell off and I really need to get back on that and just binge through because I really love that show from what I've seen. Um, so, yeah, you need to catch up on Titans. Um, I watched the movie The Vault on uh, Netflix. Um, this is a newer movie. Uh, it got a very small theatrical release back in March um, that most people didn't even notice. It was one of those movies that kind of just came and went during the COVID mess. Then you're just like, wait, what happened? Uh, <laughs> it's on Netflix now. It's called The Vault. Um, it's got some actors that you'll recognize. Uh, the kid from The Good Doctors in it. Um, uh, Liam, C- Liam Cunningham from Game of Thrones is in it. Um, it's basically a heist movie about a. Uh, so here's the premise. Uh, you have a treasure hunter who found a shipwreck uh, in the ocean. He pulled the treasure out. And then in the midst of trying to, you know, secure like the, you know, the rights to it and however that kind of thing, the Spanish government seized the treasure going, it's our property. Um, and he was like, what the hell? So it gets put in what's referred to as the bank of Spain, 
which has, according to this movie, the um, uh, most complicated vault ever built in the history of vaults. It's like completely impenetrable. And um, so he goes on this quest to um, break into the vault to get the treasure back that he rightfully owns because of the how the international laws um, in terms of uh, finders keepers kind of a situation when it comes to shipwrecks. So he basically gets a team together in that sense of in that Ocean's Eleven sense to break into the vault and steal the uh, treasure back. Nice. Um, the cool part about this is the reason the vault is so the security in the vault, the bank itself is standard security camera, security guards, you know, the standard stuff you'd hear when they do the tech part. The cool part is when they go, we don't know how the vault works because there's no cameras that actually there's the, like there's no cameras that actually watch the vault. There's no cameras, there's no security, there's no like electronic feeds we can tap into. We don't know. We have these crazy drawings from when the thing was built back in the day and blah blah blah. It turns out that the vault was built back um so far back that they didn't have computer tech to do the security systems. So the security system that watches it is a very arcane system, but it's also like an ingenious, like puzzle trap, if you will. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so it makes it kind of like it has this like uh, Nathan Drake, uh, Indiana Jones kind of a feel to them, how they have to get into the vault and out and everything. It's really kind of a clever uh, uh, movie setup. Yeah, that that sounds awesome. I was going to say um, the way you were describing this, it sounded like there was a sort of adventure movie element to the whole thing. And uh, even from the whole like the underwater expedition to, uh, you know, find this treasure in the first place sounded like it's probably handled very realistically, but it sounds like it has that sort of adventure element to it. But it just sounds really cool. And uh, yeah. the way before you described the vault I was kind of picturing it kind of the way that you finally described it as where it's kind of this ancient piece of like this ancient, like mathematical masterpiece that, you know, somebody created so long ago. And it just sounds it sounds really epic and sounds like a really cool movie. So I'll definitely have to check this one out. Um, It was on my list before, but it's finally on Netflix. So seriously, check it out. Um, The other thing that I watched is I went to the theater to see Free Guy. Oh, awesome. I didn't even realize that was out yet. Yes. And it's absolutely fantastic. It is probably one of the best movies I've seen thus far this year. Um, wow. Free. It is. It will blow you away in terms of their attention to source material, in terms of what they're trying to do. It is probably one of the best video game movies ever made. Um, and I was thinking I was thinking about it during part of the downtime in the movie a little bit. And then thus afterwards, after I've seen the movie, it's kind of, it's really hung with me um, in terms of leaving a theater, the movie itself. Like, you know how we have lots of, uh, you know, when video game movies come out and they're just like, wow, they did a really good job of representing the video games. And it's always old school, classic stuff. Right. This is video game representation on the most purest form of a modern level. I would probably ever expect them to do. Um, until they go forward with it, um, because they're covering video games now as opposed to video games then. Um, 
And, you know, I grew up in the dawn of the video game leading all the way up to now. So, like, I've been there for all of it. So it's really nice to see the old stuff represented properly. But you're actually seeing the new stuff represented properly. And that's the thing that I think that's where I think this movie shines very heavily. Um, I was really, really surprised because you're ultimately watching two movies when you're watching this movie. It's not 100 percent set inside the game itself. There's an out of the game story that goes on so there's two technical movies happening at once um (laughs) weird (laughs) and well and you'll understand when i say that because you know how when you watch ready player one there's the part of the movie that takes place inside the game itself and then there's the part of the movie that takes place in the real world yeah well this is a movie like that where you have the real world stuff and then you have the in-game stuff but it's essentially two separate it's but this time it's essentially two completely separate stories uh, that are intertwined on purpose because it all goes to one ultimate goal. Um, the movie is absolutely funny. Um, it's it's so funny from the beginning to end, and you're going to laugh through a lot of it. There's, there's tons of pop culture references in the realm of just like Ready Player One, but it's pop culture in the sense of the Internet, not just video games. So as long as you've been paying attention to the Internet and the things going around around the world and then video games on top of it and everything like it's it's all there. Um, Taika Waititi is the villain. He's absolutely amazing. He's so good in this movie. Um, Ryan Reynolds is fantastic. Jodie Comer, who plays the female lead, she's amazing. Um, And then there are some big surprises. Um, There's some YouTuber cameos that I was not expecting to see. Um, (laughs) Like uh, like Ninja, um, of course, <laughs> uh, Ninja, Pokimane, um, uh, Dan TDM. Um, there's two of them. I'm draw uh, Laser Beam and uh, there's. I'm drawing a blank on the other one and I apologize, but they I was completely in I was like, holy cow, they really um, they really brought these guys in. So when you see the movie, those aren't just random like people that they grabbed or random actors those are the actual youtubers doing their thing and you know talking about the game like you know like they normally would it was just the representation was so incredible um yeah i definitely i definitely really appreciate what they were trying to do with this movie so nice yeah that that all sounds awesome (laughs) for the long for the long wait that we had it was it was really cool yeah so go see free guy because it's fantastic um but yeah All right, dude, you want to talk about the news? Yeah, let's go for it. All right. So first off, um, huh. All right. So let's do this real quick. Um, Venom has been delayed again. It's been pushed back to October 15th. Um, I don't know what's going on, but this is the uh, I think the second delay in the movie. But it's not like the movie's done. I don't know what the delay is for. I'm just bringing it up because it's been delayed. Um, Yeah, I mean. I, I heard about this and it's disappointing. Um, but if you remember, I believe the first Venom movie was released in October. And yeah, it's a comic book movie and it's a superhero movie. But in my eyes, it's also a monster movie. So I think Venom fits in the world of Halloween movies. So I'm I don't really mind too much. I, I wish I didn't have to wait as long, but I think Venom fits, you know, an October release for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I agree there. Uh, oops. I almost deleted a whole list of stories here. <laughs> that would have been great. <laughs> I literally like I, I, I built the show and I literally almost deleted the whole thing looking like, what are we going to talk about next? Um, did we talk about how Disney Plus is going to do a Home Alone reboot? 
a long time ago. Okay. Like, well, I think we, we were talking about this, like, as Disney Plus was launching, like it was that long ago. All right. Well, uh, it's releasing uh, November 12th. Um, I didn't know much about it, but now that I know that like Ellie Kemper's in it and Rob Delaney's in it, it kind of makes me want to see it. And since it's going to be on Disney Plus, I might as well watch it. But um, but yeah, November 12th for anyone who uh, wants to check that out. <laughs> and I feel like it's a little sacrilege to watch it, but they're trying to reboot as opposed to sequelize. And the reason I say that is because the, they did a three and a four, which were meant to be sequels um, where this sounds like they're kind of trying to go back to the original core idea of what it was. Yeah. I'm for me, like I do like those actors that you mentioned. I'm really going to have to see a trailer though, to sell me on this one. <laughs> Cause at the moment I'm about, I'm probably more likely to watch Space Jam 2 than this. And <laughs> Space Jam 2 is kind of at the bottom, bottom of my list right now. So, oh, yeah. Sorry, you're, I don't mean to be negative. I'm just not that excited for the Home Alone reboot. No, no, no. Oh, you're, I know you're, I'm not alone there. Here's the thing. You're not wrong. Don't go see Space Jam 2. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, again, I don't want to be negative either, but seriously. Um, so... Uh, let's see here. Yeah, sorry. I'm just kind of bounced around the stories a little bit because there's like things I want to talk about, but I don't know what order to talk about these. In. Um, no worries. Taco Bell is building a two story restaurant. Um, the There's a reason this is I grabbed this as a story. Uh, Taco Bell's restaurant of the future, as they're calling it. Uh, it's going to be a 3000 square foot, two stories and feature four drive through lanes. Um. <laughs> With Taco Bell boats, a gravity-defying food delivery experience. Um, I don't know what that means, but I do. I saw this story and I immediately thought of the movie Demolition Man because in Demolition Man, in the year twenty, shoot, I don't remember what year it is. Uh, in twenty fifty-two. Uh, Taco Bell apparently won the franchise war, so all the restaurants are Taco Bells. Yeah, I remember that. That's actually a good catch because uh, I forgot about it before you br brought that up. But that's really funny. But uh, yeah, I feel like I might have heard about this before, like because is this going to be like a fancy restaurant or is it just going to be kind of like a Taco Bell with just a bunch of gimmicks all over the place? <laughs> there is a there's a concept picture of it. Yeah, it looks like. Literally like a Taco Bell you would see in the movie Back to the Future 2. I really don't um, <laughs> I really don't know what to say about it. I was like, huh, OK, well, do you know I, where it's going to where it's going to be? No. And oh, they okay. might be doing multiples. I was just like, huh, OK, well, this makes me think of back. To the, this makes me think of Demolition Man. That's all I thought about when I saw the article. So, yeah, absolutely. I um, I mean, this is kind of exciting. Um, I feel like. Uh, I don't know. I like Taco Bell, so <laughs> if I'm able to, I'll check it out. But uh, yeah, I don't really know what to say. I guess I have to look at the concept art because it sounds uh, pretty funny, at least. <laughs> or people pretty amusing. All right. This one I thought was weird. Um, Anthony Mackie has officially signed on for Captain America 4. All right. Nice. The reason I find this weird is because they announced Captain America 4 when Falcon and Winter Soldier ended for the season. But now they're telling us that it's official that Anthony Mackie's on board. 
I don't know. I don't know what even to think of that. Well, I honestly would think that you wouldn't make the announcement for the movie if your actors weren't in place. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I don't I didn't know what to say about it. But the only reason I'm bringing it up is I think the timing of those and those two announcements is weird. Um, so if you're worried at all, Anthony Mackie will be in Captain America four. <laughs> so that's uh, great. Is um, Sebastian and Stan signed on yet or it, is it, he a wild card at this point? It didn't say it just was like Anthony Mackie is officially returning for Captain America four. I'm like, yeah. And then as I read on, they said the contract is now officially done. I'm like, well, shouldn't that have been done before you announced the movie was coming? <laughs> Yeah, that is uh, that's crazy. I mean, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) I was going to say, like, oh, you know, didn't they kind of announce it like during the credits of Falcon and the Winter Soldier? You know, nobody watches those. But I mean, it's Marvel credits, So everybody watches those. So, yeah, I don't I don't really know what to make of that. That's uh, I'm glad it's it seems to be working out for them, though. (laughs) Yes, I know. Right. Uh, Well, speaking of Marvel, um, Nick Fury, Samuel Jackson, confirms that he will reprise his role as Nick Fury in the Marvels. So the next Captain Marvel movie he will be in, which is great because we thought the last time the next time we were going to see him was Secret Invasion. Um, But he will be in uh, the Marvels. So that's nice to see that Nick Fury will be back. Um, Did you see the uh, first look at the Moon Knight costume? No, I didn't. Yes. There is a picture of what we hope is Oscar Isaac actually in the Moon Knight costume on the Internet right now. Uh, And the reason I say what I hope is Oscar Isaac is because from this picture, it very well could just be the stunt guy in the costume. Um, But the costume looks fantastic. Um, Exactly what I would hope it would look like for a live action version of the character. And I can hear the I hear the typing, which means you're looking up the Moon Knight costume now. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'm trying. Uh, what's the picture look like? Uh, it's kind of a it's kind of like a torso shot. So like from his stomach up and then he's, he's like in, in like a hallway. Looks or like, something yeah, like that. Maybe he's got he's just looking. He's got like a sort of a brick wall on the uh, right side of the picture uh, yep. he's kind of looking directly at the camera. Costume looks great. Um, yeah, it looks awesome. Yeah. I mean, that, that's it's really hard to know what to say. Like it. It looks spot on and it just it looks really cool. I like that it kind of looks uh, like the fabric looks a little bit ratty, like it's not this pristine costume and it's kind of it might be just the lighting, but it kind of looks like a really grayish white, which is pretty neat, too. Um, We didn't even mention, though, he's got the glowing white eyes, which you don't see that a lot in comic book movies, but I wish they did that more. You know, they did it in Venom. I'm still waiting for them to do a live action Batman with, you know, the white eyes, you know, like give him some contact lenses and let's see some white eyes in the bas- in the Batman mask, you know. Technically, they already did. In Batman v Superman. Yeah, um, and the, when they did the like the mech suit helmet that he has. So in a, in but a I want to see the talking. stand. Well, what we're saying. I was just going to say, in a way, they've already done it, but I agree you want it on the standard cowl because so do Absolutely. And I remember, um, I don't know if this is like pretty permanently canon at this point or not, but I remember the new 52 Batman comics had uh, Batman had contact lenses that showed uh, like he could access his computer and stuff uh, right from the lenses. And I thought that was such a cool concept. And I was like. Just do that for a movie, and then you have an excuse for him to have white eyes every time he's in the costume. Like, 
don't be such cowards about this. Give us a white-eyed Batman. <laughs> like, come on, you know what I mean? <laughs> hey, that's a good that's a good uh, segue because don't be cowards about this. So, good news is that DC is uh, going to apparently do a Justice League two that it's and then it's on its way. Uh, the All bad right. news is that according to uh, one of the architects from DC is not to expect it anytime soon. Um, I don't know what that means. It's just it was just an article that kind of went on and on about how we will be getting a Justice League 2. There's just we don't know when it's coming. So um, there's probably a lot of nonsense they have to go through because, you know, that. They know we all want Zack Snyder back on board and all that stuff. And Snyder's made comments about how he's willing to do it. And, you know, after after James Gunn getting like zero studio oversight and like, you know, we need to start letting our DC directors do that kind of thing. I don't who knows. We'll see what happens. But um, yeah, but yeah. It's, it sounds like it's in I mean, it's in some stage of pre-production, but we don't really know what that means. Um I we don't know how far along it is. They're probably at the point where they're just trying to figure out who's working on it. And then they also have the as you mentioned, the whole Snyderverse conundrum, like is Zack Snyder going to be involved in this? Like they have to work that whole aspect out as well as the fan reaction. And um, I mean, if anything, I'm glad they're not promising it to us in like two or three years. And, you know, they're not going to be able to deliver on that. So, I mean, I would be I wouldn't be surprised if it's like four or five years before, like at least before we get another Justice League movie. But it is cool that they're working on it. You know, I'm not going to complain about that. Yeah. Um, All right. So Obi-Wan Kenobi has officially finished filming. Um, So the episode series is officially done and will release sometime in 2022 on Disney Plus. I'm incredibly excited for this. Um, it's just nice to know that that one's ready, almost ready to go for us to view. Um, Lord of the Rings for Amazon has moved uh, to the UK for its second season um, and will be filmed outside of New Zealand. Um, that's nice to hear just because that's kind of where they shot before. <laughs> so um, we're going to see some hopefully familiar landscape in terms of like continuity from the original films to now so yeah absolutely so are they filming the second season right now it's be i don't know if they've started because they still have to finish post-production on the first season um but they are moving to the uk so i don't actually know where they shot the first season i just know what the budget was because it was unheard of you know what i mean like you're just like what yeah absolutely it's just it's kind of just insane um I don't know, since the first season hasn't come out and they don't know how people are going to react to it, it's crazy to hear. Like, I'm really curious to look into how far they're actually into this production. But um, fingers crossed, like, hopefully it's good. Hopefully it brings back the magic from the first, uh, you know, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, you know. But I guess we'll wait and see. Right. Now, this one, I have two stories that I thought they kind of raise some eyebrows one's a comic book related and one's a it's only weird because i don't understand it story so this marvel comic book one is it says marvel is reportedly trying to do a live action secret war secret wars movie um wow that'd be awesome yeah (laughs) that's something like when you when you finish doing the infinity saga and you think to yourself what do you do next well marvel why don't you do secret wars because that's the next thing we would honestly want to see um 
What's interesting about that, though, is back when they finished Endgame, there was an article from there's an article they did an interview with the Russo brothers. And one of them said that the next thing that they want to do is Secret Wars. That was back when Endgame released that they said that. And then I vaguely was, remember this, actually, all that speculation of, oh, my God, Marvel's doing Secret Wars next. And Feige said that'd be a good that, that that's that's that'd be something fun to strive for. And now articles are coming out saying, you know, former editor in chief uh, Jim Sarver says Marvel contracted him to, uh, to secure the rights for the live action film. And you're like, OK, but I that's that's one of those things where my brain's going, I thought you guys were already working on that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that you hear things and, you know, passing and you hear things when you like start digging around and then you're just and then the, you get like the, the final statement saying, hey, they're reportedly trying to do this. And you're like. Yeah, that, I feel like that's old news. Like, where were you guys? You know what I mean? So um, and, and maybe I'm like just focusing on certain parts of the conversation. But um, if they're really doing live action Secret Wars, I'm down. That sounds fantastic. So, no, I hear you, um, Drew. I know a number of times on the show you've mentioned that there'll be some news story about you know, such and such an actor is in talks to play, you know, insert character here. And, uh, you know, then a couple of weeks later, we find out that that actor is set to play that character. And I kind of I'm not going to say all the time. I know there's a lot of crazy rumors out there that never come true, but I do think there's some sort of marketing um, mastery where these studios do put these rumors out out there that like, oh, Marvel might be doing a Secret Wars movie when they actually are working on it. And they're just trying to slowly drum up hype and stuff like that. I could be wrong. Like, we both could be wrong. This could be a movie that never happens. But I'm really curious. Like, I don't know if we'll ever be able to find out, but I'm really curious if they do have sort of covert viral campaigns to drum up, you know, these weird viral rumor campaigns that they use to uh, drum up hype for their movies. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I just thought that was interesting. And uh, I just, it, the timing's weird. And I remember there was so many times that I've talked to people about movies. Like I hear like, this is one of the reasons why I wanted to start the podcast originally was like, I would have these conversations with people like, dude, did you hear this movie's coming out? And we'd talk about it a little bit. And then like, <laughs> And then like two months later, someone would be like, hey, Drew, did you hear this movie's coming out? I'm like, yeah, did we have that conversation two months ago? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, that's that's one of the reasons why I started the podcast. Because I'm like, it's you know, this is stuff I want to talk about. But I feel like I keep having the same conversation over and over again. Um, all right. So here's the weird one. Do you have, right. you have you ever been to a theme park that does fast passes? <laughs> Well, I've been to ones that have. I've never had a fast pass myself, but uh, I, I am I, familiar I, with them. Yeah, and I don't think I've ever used a fast pass before. But I think everyone knows what it is. It's that thing where it allows you to get like kind of ahead of everybody and get in line for the ride earlier. Mm -hmm. um, so this is weird. I just think it's bizarre. Disney Parks says goodbye to the fast pass and hello to Genie Plus. <laughs> OK, <laughs> all right. The Disney Genie Plus service is what you'll get um, access to the new lightning lanes. Uh, all right. <laughs> Disney's Genie Plus costs fifteen dollars per ticket a day at Walt Disney World and twenty dollars per ticket per day at Disneyland. 
basically it's the it's genie plus service is what you get to cross the new lightning lanes previously fast pass lanes <laughs> yeah they're just rebranding it basically <laughs> right they make it sound like it's faster though don't they <laughs> um, yeah i mean i guess <laughs> i was i was kind of hoping um because it's the genie what is it the genie pass or yeah the genie, genie whatever i think I think it'd be funny if it was like you can access the lightning lane for three rides <laughs> per day or something because those are your three wishes, you know. But uh, oh, right. no, that's that's uh, it's really random, but kind of funny. But it just sounds like they're rebranding it. I do. I think I appreciate the genie name for this better than Flash or Fast Pass, um, just because Fast Pass is like a lot more generic. I don't think there's any Disney IP built into that. Um, and then I just stumbled over my words and mentioned Flash Pass, which is what the Six Flags theme parks do, which I always thought was cool because you got the Flash Pass with a picture of the Flash on there, and it's just. Yeah, DC Comics are cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I just. I'm like, are they rebranding it? Because this sounds like it's supposed to be faster. But to me, it sounds like the same thing. (laughs) Absolutely. It really just made me laugh. Um, But yeah, no, the name is definitely a little better. So Um, anyway, that's it for the news. Uh, Do you want to talk for the list tonight? Yeah, let's go for it. Talk about the list tonight as I stumble over my words. This stupid (laughs) cold, man. Um, Like I said, I apologize in advance at the top of the show for the sound of my voice. But anyway. Um, All right, Ryan, it is time to talk about the list. So do me a favor and roll the thing. And now for the top five. All right, man. So this was my pick, right? Yes. Yeah, this was my pick for the night. Um, So this was I was just thinking about spaceships and stuff, and that's what made me want to do this list. Um, I tackled this list way differently than I was expecting. Um, there are so many like really cool, amazing spaceships out there. And all I could think to myself is this is going to be a really, really hard list. I honestly could have showed up with an entire list of star Wars. Um, but I was trying to be faithful to other franchises and everything. So, and this is a list that we probably should consider revisiting in the future. And I only say that because, the um, I kind of focused on, with the exception of one, I kind of focused on capital size starships more. Oh, wow. OK. Um, and, and it was only because I was like, there were so many choices. And then I kept like, and I was like, all right, you know what? Let's compartmentalize this a little bit. I'm going to focus on a specific grouping and then we can always revisit this list in the future. And it'd be kind of a cool, you know, we can just go back to it. So. Um, and maybe flip the script. So if you kind of focus more on the starfighter side, we can flip it. You know what I mean? So (laughs) absolutely. I uh, definitely uh, focus more on the starfighter side, um, with maybe a couple exceptions, but I, my list is either ships that I think look really cool or ships that from a functional standpoint, I would love to have. And in some cases it works for both, but, um, no, that's funny that, scale wise i think our lists are going to be exact opposites this week <laughs> yeah and like i said with except of the one i pretty much stayed by stayed with um capital starship size so yeah all right man so that being said um you get to go first i have two honorable mentions so 
I do as well. Um, so yeah, I can go first. Um, my first pick is one that, uh, if people listen to the show a lot, they might think would be a little higher on my list. Um, but it's just a chip that I've just always thought looked badass and menacing. And that is the scimitar, which, uh, you will know is Darth Maul's, uh, ship from, uh, the star Wars movies and, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, this is a ship that, I mean, when episode one came out and just the hype that I had for that movie, Darth Maul was like, at that point in my life, I thought he was just like the coolest character I had ever seen. And I was so excited about every aspect of Darth Maul from, you know, his appearance to his lightsaber to his uh, ship, of course. And like, I just I don't necessarily know a ton about the ins and outs of the scimitar, but I always thought it had a really striking design. It has that cool, like elongated uh, TIE fighter sort of look to it. And uh, it's just a really cool ship. And uh, I just really kind of have appreciated it through the years. So not too much to say on this one, Drew, you might have more to say, but uh, no, this is just, this is just one that I always thought looked really badass. It is, and this is the one with, like, it was the first time we saw cloaking in Star Wars in terms of the cloaking devices on the Starship. Oh, yeah, good call. Um, it had, it do, it definitely has that TIE fighter design, which it, it got, the ship just, the design of that ship is just really cool. Um, I would always love it, because sometimes Star Wars does those, like, cross sections. I've never looked at that book to see if it's got, if it has that ship in it. I always wanted to see more of the interior of that ship. Um, but overall, like this, the the design of it's really cool. This was honorable mention, right? Yeah. And, th- and that's one where um, since you mentioned like not knowing a lot about the interior of the ship, that's kind of why it's an honorable mention for me, as well as even though I think it looks really awesome, the ship doesn't because it's so much longer than it is wide. I feel like and I don't know the specific stats, but I feel like it doesn't look like it would be the most maneuverable ship either. And that's another reason that it got a a couple of dings for me and ended up being an honorable mention instead of on my actual top five. So, oh, gotcha. Okay. the um, (laughs) what's that? I said, okay. so I apologize. I was typing something on the spreadsheet when you said what you were if this was an honorable mention. So you said you had two honorable mentions before we move. on. Yes. Yeah. Two two honorable mentions. Sorry. I was like, shoot. Did he say one or two? So my first honorable mention is Spaceball One uh, <laughs> from the movie Spaceball. This uh, made my short list. Like it was this, really close. This, I don't bring this up because it's funny. It's absolutely ridiculous. But there's so many great funny moments in the movie itself uh, regarding the ship and the size of the ship and all that stuff. It was definitely I I couldn't not talk about the ship tonight. Um, where just aside from the fact that it turns into a giant made with a vacuum cleaner later on in the movie. Um, the, the, the size of the ship when they talk about the walking and then when they were getting ready to go to like ludicrous speed and he's like yelling all the stuff, like batting on the hatches, secure the animals in the zoo, like do it. Like he's like listing all this stuff they want you to do. And you're like, there's a zoo, you know, like <laughs> how big is the ship? <laughs> they just did so much stuff, so many jokes about the size of the ship, but the design's actually not that bad. I just couldn't not talk about this. So, No, that's what's funny is when I was putting my list together, I was looking up all these pictures and uh, yeah, Spaceballs one. I did look that one up. And when you actually look at the entire ship in one picture, it actually looks pretty cool. Like surprisingly, you wouldn't think it would have that cool of a look to it, but it does have kind of a sleek design, which I appreciate. But 
I mean, the the things you've mentioned, like just as far as sheer size and amenities, like this ship is amazing. But also, like, I know it's played off for laughs, but this ship transforms into a giant mech. And like, yeah, it's a made with a vacuum cleaner. But how many ships can do that? And that is just so badass. Like you could do a serious version of this ship that would be really cool. Like if they ever did a Spaceballs anime, which they never would, but you know they would they would come up with some really cool stuff to do with that maid, whether it's like, you know, sucking in enemies with a vacuum cleaner, or maybe she could uh, you know, unravel the vacuum cleaner cord and start whipping other ships that are in space and stuff. Like there's some cool concepts that you could put in there. So this one was so close to making my list and I definitely think it's a good choice nice all right man so what's your next one okay so yeah my next pick is uh, a ship from the man of steel and uh, when you think of man of steel there's a couple different uh, spacecrafts that really catch your eye like there's the um the scout ship is kind of what everybody knows that's kind of the makeshift uh fortress of solitude in that movie and there's a zod ship that is the uh black zero that also has the uh kind of just awesome uh, terraforming element of it that has like a really cool, unique silhouette. But the ship that I actually picked was the Kryptonian drop ship from Man of Steel. Um, and that is the uh, the smaller ships that Zod and his crew used to come from the bigger ship that they had, the Black Zero. They used these smaller ships to come down to Earth. And uh, they just look really cool as far as a UFO sense goes. Like they have a... Uh, they have this really like kind of beetle like appearance to them and they look super maneuverable and they look like they look like they could fit in a variety of science fiction movies, whether it's a, you know, a, like a sort of uh, alien invasion movie or like a more, um, you know, in space, like soap opera dogfight or not soap opera, you know, space opera uh, dogfight sort of scenario. I think they would fit into that scenario as well. And I just think they they have a really cool look. Uh, they're really unique looking and they have uh, just the maneuverability and stuff. I always thought the Kryptonian drop sh- ships uh, from Man of Steel were just really, really cool. So, yeah, I really did. The Kryptonian ships actually had a really cool look to them. And I know everyone focuses on that, uh, that Krypton, that one, the main the, the ship, scout ship, the scout ship, because it's crashed yeah. in the middle of the city. And that's kind of like the main focus of everything. But those dropships were actually kind of solid. I like absolutely. It, I did kind of like the bug look to them. Um, like all their ships kind of had this like insect kind of look to it, if you will. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know why they chose like the like that kind of a design to it, but I always thought that was kind of an interesting uh, way to go. Um, yeah, absolutely. From what I've heard, just because I've watched a lot of um, like crew interviews and stuff for from like Man of Steel specifically, I think they were really trying to make everything look very alien, and I think that's why a lot of the ships have more of a organic feel to them when it comes to the shapes. Like there was a lot of rounded and oblong shapes there's not a lot of um you know straight corners and lines and stuff in the ships they use and that's probably what led to the sort of beetle-esque look of the drop ships if that makes sense that's just kind of what i'm speculating here but gotcha um yeah okay that makes sense um 
Well, so my next, well, okay. So yeah. So honorable mentions. Yeah. Sorry. I was really confused there for a second. I'm like, crap, it's going to be your pick again. Um, my last honorable mention is the city of Atlantis from Stargate Atlantis. Um, it's not, the reason it's honorable mention is because you don't find out that it's meant for space travel until really far into the show. You think it's just a city or a space station, if you will. And then you find out it has space flight capabilities, so it becomes a ship at one point. Spoilers. So, I, know, <laughs> I know, but because you don't know that going in, and then it becomes like, you're just like, oh, crap, you can do that. Um, <laughs> that's why I was like, it's kind of a, that's why I'm making an honorable mention. Because, I mean, first off, the tech is cool. The design of it is just really cool looking in general. Um, but uh, it's, you know, it it's really more of like a, a visual, a visual look to me. Like, I just love the way that thing looks and it's not what you expect. Like when you go into that show and you're thinking Atlantis, you're thinking like ancient, not technological ancient, if you will. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's clearly more advanced than we have, even though it was, you know, built so many years before humans actually lived on the planet. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, absolutely. This is uh, this is one that I'm not familiar with because I haven't watched the show, but it just sounds really, really awesome. Um, I don't know, like, I don't know if I have, but I feel like I've seen something where there was a like a movie or something where there was a city that ended up like propelling itself into the sky like it was a ship. But maybe I'm just making this up in my head, but I've always thought that was a really cool sort of twist and it's like a really awesome visual as well. So, um, no, this just sounds, sounds really neat overall. Yeah, it's sweet. Um, you should look up a picture of it just because it's awesome. Um, but, uh, it's from Stargate Atlantis. You could just type in Atlantis, um, SGA if you wanted to, if you wanted to Google it, but it's a cool look to it, man. Um, just for the sake of the conversation. Um, Oh, I just looked it up. Yeah. It does have a really cool look. Yeah, but then you find out like it because it's when you get to when they go to the when they go to it, it's underwater and you're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. It's Atlantis. And then something happens and it has to rise to the surface. And you're just like, oh, that's cool. And then later on in the show, you're just like, oh, wait, this thing actually has to go to space and it can travel through space and so forth. So. Um, but yeah, because it's not really a starship or you don't really know that until later. That's why it, that's the reason it hits my honorable mentions. But Awesome. But yeah. All right, man. What's your next pick for the night? Your actual pick? Yeah. So my first actual pick um, is an is another Star Wars pick. And uh, this was a list where when it came to my short list, I as well could do could have done a list of just Star Wars ships because I don't know how they did it. But Star Wars, like the ships in um, especially when you go back to the original trilogy, there's just so many ships that have such a unique and iconic look to them. And a lot of their ships just look so much cooler than a lot of the other sci-fi series. And I don't know how to explain it. Um, But yeah, anyways, leading into my next pick, I went with uh, Slave One, which is a Boba Fett ship that we all know and love from the Star Wars series. And uh, this is a ship that I always thought it just looked really, really cool. And uh, I don't know how to explain it, but the look of the ship and the look of I know Boba Fett's armor isn't that out of the ordinary compared to, you know, other Mandalorians. But he was the first person with that kind of armor that we ever see, saw. And somehow, like the look of the ship seems to fit with the look of the character of Boba Fett so well. And I don't know why, but it just looks like he 
would have that ship. Um, I don't know how to explain that. Oh. It's just, it just seems to fit so well, but also just the ship has such a cool, like I always loved that the ship takes off and it's like laying flat and then it goes vertical and you're like flying around vertical, you know, in the ship. And I always thought that was a cool concept and the ship has a really unique silhouette and design. And I don't really know what to say about what else to say about this, but, um, before they ever made a Lego set for this, for this ship, I made my own Lego slave one that I was like super proud of when I put it together. And, uh, yeah, that was just I loved the design so much that I made a pretty accurate, I think, Lego version of it as a kid. So, uh, yeah, Drew, I don't know if you have any thoughts on Slave One, but I've well, just always loved well, this one. First off, according to uh, and I don't know how like that they've officially changed the name to Boba Fett's ship. Um, and I'm assuming it's all marketing because they're trying not to use the word slave. Um, but sorry, it's for those of us old OT fans, it'll always be the slave one. And I don't correlate. So the, the, the name they call it is Boba ship, Boba Fett's ship. Yep. Why uh, don't they go like with S one or so? I don't know. It's, I mean, I don't know. I understand where they're coming from, but at the same time, like it is a word that's part of the English language and there was no ill intent with coming up with that name. So I don't know. I don't, I mean, we don't want to, we don't need to go too far into it, but I just think it's kind of, it's kind of crazy that they would change that, but it yeah. is what it is, I guess. Anyway, um, the design of it, I always thought was cool. I'm glad we got to see if you watch the Mandalorian, um, you actually can see how the interior works because I always wondered how, because it lays technically on its back and then when it takes off, it kind of flips up onto its side before it flies. And I always wondered how that worked as far as the interior goes. And if you watch Mandalorian, you actually get to see how the interior shifts as the vehicle, as the ship itself shifts. Um, just as a tech ver tech variant, I always thought that was kind of cool that we got to see that finally, because it's something I was always curious about. Um, and I don't know if you spotted that, but they do show you that one in the uh, in the show. Um, and I feel, yeah, like, yeah. I feel like your pause is like, really? They showed us that? <laughs> no, no. I was I was just thinking about it. But yeah, <laughs> no, I was just listening to you. Um, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's that's a great uh, it, it's a, it's such an iconic ship in terms of like it's one of those that as soon as you see it, you know where it's from. Um, all right. So the next the my next pick will be um, the Enterprise D. Um, so the Enterprise from Star Trek, it's a very iconic ship, um, because Star Trek is one of those franchises that goes such a long ways. Um, but I'm specifically referring to the Enterprise D, NC-1701D, which is the Enterprise from the Next Generation, or Captain Picard's, uh, Starship, the Galaxy-class version of the Enterprise. Um, it's, it was my favorite-looking one. Um, in terms of like the, the luxury of it, it's definitely probably one of the fancier of the starships. Um, it's the one that splits into two. So it's got that battle. Oh, yeah. It's got that battle bridge so it can separate the saucer section can separate. And then you have the command, you have the combat version of it, um, with the, with the warp engines. And then you have the other one. So it could be, it could become two ships if you needed it to be. Um, and that was always kind of a cool moment in the show because you had to, like, evacuate certain people from certain decks just so they could separate, so they could depressurize and separate their cabins. Um, so I thought that was kind of a cool setup. Um, this was also 
uh, a version. They released a technical manual for it um, back in the day, which um, I ended up getting. It was really cool. Um, it was basically like page for page. It was like a, it was like literally like the owner's manual to the Enterprise. Um, and it was written as such, too. So, like, it, it read like an owner's manual. Um, but, yeah, really cool, uh, really cool book, really cool ship. Um, I don't know if you are a Star Trek guy in terms of, like, knowing the ship, because I heard you typing, so I'm assuming you were looking it up. So I was looking up specifically the Enterprise D, um, but it's actually funny because we actually matched on this one. Oh, nice. Um, but I, I literally just wrote the USS Enterprise, the next generation version. Um, I didn't know the uh, the specific numbers for it, but I really this is probably the only. So well, maybe not. So you're, so you're not the Star Trek fan I am. No, no, definitely not. I know, uh, Drew, you're definitely a much bigger Star Trek fan than I am. And I think, um, you know, you and uh, Scott and our cousins watched a lot of Star Trek, um, you know, while I was growing up. And that's most of my knowledge from it is from uh, those times when you guys were watching the movies and the shows like okay. a ton. Um, so I I'm like a very casual Star Trek fan at this point, but I've always really appreciated the Enterprise from um, it's another one. It's like Spaceballs. Like it's such a big ship. There's so much there. I mean, they have a hollow deck. Who doesn't want to take advantage of that and just, you know, live out your wildest dreams in the hollow deck. But there's just so many amenities to this ship. And uh, as far as like I've, I've actually always appreciated the original Star Trek Enterprise. Um, just like the original series enterprise from a design standpoint. But I think the next generation version, at least from the, the versions that I've seen of this ship has the, in my opinion, probably the coolest look when it comes to just a really cool looking epic sort of star, uh, sort of a science fiction spacecraft. I think that the, um, I think the next generation version is just really really awesome looking and uh just in general really with all the enterprises i've really appreciated on a design sense because it's one of those ships that if you see the ship from the front the back the side from overhead it's always recognizable it's such a unique shape that you're just it sticks in your mind it sticks with you in life and for life and i think that's why this uh ship design is so is just so well done um i was gonna say something else but i kind of lost track but uh no i just i always thought this ship looked cool and uh this i was gonna say this is one of maybe one of my only ones that is actually you know on that sort of larger scale but um no yeah i don't i don't know what else to say i feel like i've been rambling on for a minute here. <laughs> no it's all good you're you're totally right on all that stuff yeah the inter just look star trek's been around a really long time and they have different versions of the uh the enterprise itself uh the enterprise b i thought was a cool design uh the one everyone knows is the is the is the standard one but enterprise a is the one so like the Enterprise is the one from the original show, but then they moved to uh, Enterprise A. That was the one you knew from like the Kirk films. And then eventually we got to um, they kind of B is from one of the movies. You never really saw C except for like a couple of the episodes in terms of flashback stuff. And then you went kind of jumped right to D. Um, and that was kind of like the standard Enterprise you dealt with in the series for quite some time. Um, 
But yeah, so this is that's probably the most famous of them in my and well, the original is probably the most famous. But in terms of like my generation, that's the one everyone knows the most. It's like that's the that's the ship. So absolutely. Um, I, I do remember the one other thing I was going to say is I always thought and I only like jumping in because I do feel like this is important to bring up because I always felt like the Enterprise as well, like pretty much most of the versions I've seen of it does look to me, like a believable spaceship, like it looks like a spaceship that we could that we would see, you know, someday in the future, because there's elements of it that seem like it's built for utility and function, as well as just being a really unique, cool looking uh, spacecraft. And I don't think you always get that in science fiction. I think the design of it is really practical while also being very memorable, which I really appreciate. So, right. Um, all right. So you matched. So that kind of throws it back to me. So the next one I got is from the video game series Halo. Now, there's a lot of ships from those from there. Um, you have the Covenant vessels. You have the UNSC ships. Um, the one that I'm calling out is from the video game Halo Wars. It's the, the ship is called the Spirit of Fire or the UNSC Spirit of Fire. Um, it's the one it's the it's the human ship that in my opinion has the most unique design when you compare it to the other ones like the pillar of autumn or the infinity. Um, I just really like the design of the spirit of fire. I just think it looks really cool, like from a military tactical standpoint, but also from like a space going vessel, it just looks awesome. Um, so yeah, I don't really have much to say on it other than the fact that I just thought the ship was really cool. Um, and when I saw it in halo wars, as opposed to the other games, I was really like, wow, that's a unique design comparatively to the others, because the other ones kind of have more of this like. They look like if I were to stand them up on its end, it would look like the pillar of a building kind of. Look. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> no, I absolutely know what you're talking about. And the same thing with and I don't want to spoil because you might be picking something like this later, which I don't want to. Uh, talk down to but some of the ships you see in like the alien franchises look like it's just kind of like this really straight ship that it looks like they kish, kit bashed a bunch of different pieces together and got something that kind of looks like a spaceship but um i was pretty unfamiliar with the spirit of fire but i just looked it up and i do agree it does have a unique design like it has that sort of uh sci-fi look to it which where there's a lot of jutting corners and angles and little knickknacks all over the ship but it does have a unique cohesive uh somewhat uh aerodynamic design to it so i can definitely see how it has that uh that sort of look that would really stick in your head um from playing right. the halo wars game right um the uh shoot what was i gonna say yeah. Oh, no, no. You mentioned kit bashing. That's what it was. Um, back in the day, you know, when they were building model ships for video game for not video games for like movies, like <laughs> yeah. alien franchise or Star Wars franchise. stuff. a lot of it was kit bashing and they were literally taking models and kind of throwing stuff together and trying to basically create whatever looked or sounded cool when they were like built, you know, like how does how, like, yeah, this looks cool. That's like make that a ship. And like they would attach pieces from like other models because they were like, we just need a pipe here. Oh, great. I have this car model over here. Here's a pipe. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, like you go buy 500 model airplanes and tanks and cars and stuff and then try to put them all together in a way that looks cool and unique. And it's kind of this cool like it's this really cool like movie special effect sort of like collage technique that really 
I think it, it creates a very unique look. Um, you know, a ton of the old Star Wars ships were built like, built using that sort of uh, technique, as well as a lot of the science fiction movies we know and love. So, uh, yeah, thanks for for mentioning that. Um, I, I guess I didn't explain that earlier, but, yeah, that's definitely a good call to explain that. Oh, the, um, the and entire, just really cool. The entire the Death Star was all kit bashed. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you watch the if you watch the documentary um, Empire Dreams on Disney Plus, they talk about making the Death Star and they had to make the Death Star before they shot it on film. And it's really interesting to see how they kind of had to piece that together, like the kit bashing they did to create that. So, yeah, I feel like they said they lined up like 12 ping pong ta- ta- uh, tables or something like that and just kit bashed like the entire surface, which is just such a cool uh yeah, cool concept. And it makes me wonder, like, how long did it take them to do that? But it's just I know, I know. that's yeah. that's the kind of incredible craftsmanship that we get with Star Wars that just it's just awesome that that just took place, you know? Yep. All right, man. What's your number three for the night? <laughs> OK, so my number three, I went with the Milano, um, probably more commonly known as the Guardians of the Galaxy ship from the MCU. And uh, this is one where I went with a lot of picks on my list that I just really thought they looked really cool and they looked cool to the point where I wanted to fly around with them. But some of my picks are more, um, you know, utility and functional based. And I feel like the Milano is the perfect the perfect marriage between both of those concepts, because it looks like a ship that. It looks cozy, like you feel like you could live in that ship while exploring the galaxy. But it also looks like it could handle some dogfights and it has a really cool design to it. And uh, especially the fact that it's like, uh, you know, inhabited by um, Star-Lord and kind of his uh, his personality in that the in those movies where he has that sort of, um, you know, he's got like the corner of the ship with like his nostalgic like tape deck and like troll dolls and stuff and like all that stuff kind of maybe lends to the um the sort of warm feelings that I get when I think about the ship. But I just think this one's a really cool ship from both a just really awesome looking spaceship, but also one that it looks like, yeah, like I could live in that. Like I could see myself actually living in that and exploring the universe. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about this one. Uh, The Milano. I, I did like the design of that when you saw it in the film. I don't, I'm not familiar with the design of it for the comics at all. Cause I didn't, I wasn't a big Guardians of the Galaxy fan prior to the movie. Um, but the Milano, if you didn't know, is um, the name comes from it's named after Alyssa Milano, the actress. That's hilarious. Does that come up in the movies? Um, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Is that like is that like Star Lord's name for it? Or is that yes, just how? Yes, it is Star Lord's name. Yeah. For it he had a <laughs> That's so awesome. Because <laughs> him having a childhood crush on Alyssa Milano from uh, Who's the Boss? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. All right. Um, so my turn, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you mentioned the Alien franchise. So time to talk about the Alien movies uh, real briefly. The start, the the spaceship I'm specifically calling out is the Sulaco from the film Aliens. So the second one, um, that's the military one. That's the one the Marines go with um, to uh, 
drawing a blank on the name of the planet m12421 i believe <laughs> um i believe that's the correct name of the planet and i know someone is probably screaming at me going no idiot it's this um <laughs> but um the sulaco it was such a cool military ship one of the reasons the design stood out to me is if you look at when it passes like when it crosses there's a shot of it when it goes across the screen and it's got this weird angled shot early in the movie when it goes across the screen it looks like a gun yeah and i always thought that was kind of a cool design for a military ship um overall i think the ship's awesome anyway but um for a military ship i thought that was a cool exterior design interior design um it looked pretty cozy and spacious and um i honestly wish they showed more one of the things that the alien franchise doesn't do a lot of in my opinion is they don't do enough like the first movie the original movie it was all on the human ship in space with the alien on board right well the second movie they didn't really do much in the ship um and i really would have liked to see more in the ship stuck in space um not that they needed to do that in the second movie because we just spent a whole movie in space like that. But the idea of being trapped on the ship, maybe with multiple aliens would have been kind of cool because it's a military vessel. Um, and I would have liked to explore that ship a little more than what we got to see. Uh, just a thought though. Um, otherwise the design of it was great and everything. So. Yeah, that's uh that's really interesting. And it makes me wonder like, uh, you know, Ridley Scott is slowly expanding on his like aliens universe that he has going. And it makes me wonder if we'll ever see a ship of the same model, you know, enter one of these uh, movies that he comes out with. But um, no, I actually once you mentioned it, I actually looked up images of this ship and it does have it does look like a gun, but it does have a really cool and striking look. And I know I mentioned I had that kit bashing comment earlier, and I feel like it's the ship from the first alien movie that kind of to me looked like it didn't have a really cohesive design like it was kind of just kit bashed together randomly but this ship does definitely have a really sort of cohesive design to it and it just looks really awesome and um no aliens is just a great movie like it's one of my favorite sci science fiction movies um so i don't i don't know what else to say too much about this one but i think this one's a good call as well yeah 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 um, all right. So what do you, so we didn't match obviously. Um, so what do you got for your next one? <laughs> yeah. So my next one is, uh, this is the one where I feel like in some instances it is very large, but in some instances it's pretty small because I went with Brainiac skull ship, um, which I, Oh yeah, the TARDIS. That's <laughs> no, I went with Brainiac skull ship from uh, DC comics. Um, and this is one I just had to do. It's, Brainiac, you know, the uh, the collector of worlds, this villain that goes around the universe collecting, you know, pieces of all these different worlds as you know, as far as like full like cities and stuff at certain points. And I Brainiac's just a cool character concept in general, but his ship looks like a frickin skull. And that is just really cool. And uh, I love it. And um, I don't know what too much to say. I feel like my it's hard to know, like nail down what my favorite version of space of brainiac skull ship is but uh, i feel like the animated movie superman unbound had a really cool version of it if i remember correctly um i also like i don't know if i liked the design of his ship in the new 52 because from what i remember it wasn't as um skull looking 
<laughs> as like a lot of other comics. But um, in the new 52, um, it's kind of similar to Man of Steel, where early on in the I think it was in the action comics uh, story arcs early on Superman defeated Brainiac and his Brainiac ship was still orbiting the earth and uh, Superman actually took it, took that ship over for a, for a period of time and it became another sort of makeshift uh, fortress of solitude for Superman uh, in the new 52 DC universe. So I always thought that was a cool concept, even though that design wasn't my favorite. I kind of liked the more crazy skull looking versions of his ship if that makes sense so it's it's a skull with tentacles let's, let's yep yeah there you um, go as well it's a skull with these giant tentacles and it's such and it's such an imposing ship like when you see it there's a sense of doom and dread like almost immediate you're like geez here we go like what's gonna happen um, and it's probably one of the few ships that are like that. When you see them on screen, you're just like, or see them on the page of the comic, you're like, oh, it's Brainiac. Um, the, um, and that's how I feel every time you see it. Like anytime I'm watching, well, anything, suddenly that ship's on screen and you're just like, holy cow. You know, like, here we go. Like, what's going to happen? How's this going to play out? Like Brainiac's on scene. You know what I mean? So I totally hear what you're saying there. And I didn't even, and this is one that I honestly didn't think about when I was making my list. Yeah, absolutely. And I do like you mentioning that once you see the ship show up, whether it's in comics or like an animated movie or something, you know, crap is about to go down because uh, Brainiac is one of those. Um, he's one of those like almost like dark side level villains where he's like he's a Superman villain. But a lot of times when he shows up, the whole Justice League is fighting against him because that's just how powerful and how menacing he is that the whole justice league needs to take him on at once. And, uh, no, I think he's a great villain. He's very, he's one of the most interesting DC villains, I think, as far as just conceptually. And, uh, yeah, this, this ship has a really menacing and just like awesome look to it. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about menacing ships. So for my second pick of the night, I'm going to go into the star Wars route and I'm going to go with the Imperial Star Destroyer. Um, this is the probably the first ship that everyone went wow at when that original movie came out because the ship passes across the screen, like over top of everybody. Um, and it was that moment of awe, like how big is this thing? That's where you get the joke from Spaceball One, how big is this thing? <laughs> um, but when you look at the Imperial Star Destroyer, I know it's basically a giant triangle in space, but it's got honestly one of the coolest designs when you just look at like the, how it's structured, um, the functionality of certain things, when you see where like the docking bay is or the bridge or like, you know, like the way they like the way they shot the ship, cause it was all built in models first. But when you have to like run the camera, like up the nose to, you know, create the starfighters flying over the bow of it, for example, like it's such just this amazing design of the ship. And it's always like really imposing. And it's one of those ships where you see it in space and it's already a threat. You don't know where it's going. Like you don't know what it's about to do. It could turn on you. It's like a, like the, I feel like the, uh, it's almost like the Imperial star destroyers are like the sharks of space, if you will. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And it's <laughs> just, I was, I was just thinking about it because in terms of like, you know, and yes, there are the cool ones like Darth Vader's Executor, for example, which is the really big um, Star Destroyer from the uh, 
original trilogy from Empire Strikes Back because you you see the Star Destroyers and then eventually you see a Star Destroyer flying, but this big something's casting a shadow on the Star Destroyer. And you're like, what's casting a shadow on it? And you're like, oh my god, it's an even bigger one. Yeah, the Executor is cool, but that original just Star Destroyer design is I I love it. I absolutely love it, and it's one that like. I really want the Lego set, that $700 Lego set, but I just can't justify spending the money on it. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I just always loved the Star Destroyers. It's one of my favorite ships from Star Wars, just, uh, you know, just because of the look of them. But did you have anything on that before we moved on? Or I didn't have to no, I, the fact that I just love that ship. I kind of absolutely agree with everything you just said, and... I honestly don't know if I could say anything better myself, but I've always really I've always really loved this ship, too. Um, this is another one that made my short list, didn't make my final list, but it it does have a very imposing and iconic design. And uh, the only thing I could comment about the um, you mentioning that, like, yeah, it's a giant triangle in space, but like you just have to remember more complicated designs aren't necessarily better, you know, like, yes, the ship when you break it down, like it is a giant triangle, but it also is presented in this really memorable, memorable way. And obviously this is a ship that stood the test of time. And there's plenty of science fiction movies that have very complicated looking ships that you just forget about as soon as you turn the TV off. And I think there's a, there's an elegantness to the, to the design choices and why they went with a much more uh, simple silhouette and stuff. And I do like that you mentioned that as soon as you see a star destroyer, it's very intimidating. And that sort of, uh, you know, once you see it or see the shadow of it, like it just, it just does have that sort of sharks in space. Like I love that comparison, but it does have that sort of epic uh, intimidation of like a giant shark. And I think that's uh that was just a really funny <laughs> sort of comparison. So yeah, I definitely agree with this one. It didn't make my final list, but definitely a great pick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, man, what's your final pick of the night, man? Okay. So moving from star Wars to another star Wars pick and uh, I just, had to do it well first of all i'll preface this by saying we did do our favorite science fiction vehicles i think not you know just spaceships but just sci-fi or fictional vehicles list at one point i believe and i'm pretty sure this list made my or this pick made my list that time so it kind of has to make my list this time and that is the millennium falcon which yeah, and we matched on this so <laughs> Yeah. And when you want to talk about iconic, when you want to talk about memorable, when you want to talk about cool looking um, maneuverability, um, utility, you know, the ability to see yourself living in the ship for a period of time, um, you know, maybe by yourself, maybe with a crew like this is a ship that kind of hits all boxes like in every way. And it's it's debatably i mean i know other people prefer different ships in star wars but i feel like the millennium falcon is the coolest ship in that franchise at least debatably like you have to admit that you know a good percentage of people are going to say that this is their favorite ship in all of star wars and it's just it's a hunk of junk but it's also you know the fastest ship in the galaxy and it's just I don't have to say, I mean, it's the Millennium Falcon. Everybody knows it. Everybody loves it. But it's definitely like if this is not on your list of favorite spaceships, like you're doing something wrong. I, feel. <laughs> I don't know, Drew, what are your thoughts for this you, one? Look, you can't I don't think you can do a list without talking about this ship. 
Um, and I was honestly, when I was focusing on all these capital starships, I was like, hmm, I don't, I like, can I actually do a list without the Millennium Falcon on it? Yes. If I would have originally said we're doing capital starships, <laughs> um, but no, this is, this is home, if you will. Um, and you know, Han Solo said it right when him and Chewie got back on board in episode seven, he said, Chewie, we're home. That's what it is. It's, it's the, it's the ship that basically solidified you know star wars for is it's the ship everyone wanted like yeah some of us wanted to fly x-wings like i did but um but everyone wanted to be on that falcon everyone wants to walk on it that's why there's the millennium falcon ride at uh galaxy's edge at disney and there's a reason you get to walk on board and actually sit in the cockpit there's a reason they had it in the thing it's probably one of the most iconic spaceships ever in the history of pop culture um and it's just you fall in love with it almost immediately, even if you're like even if you're not a Star Wars fan and you're just watching it because, you know, someone's like, you should really watch these movies. You're going to fall in love with that ship. The ship is just as much of a character as everyone else. Um, as, as all the actual characters in the story. Um, so, yeah, um, you this this is just a, uh, a ship that I absolutely love. So and would someday love to go on a ride, an actual ride on it. But. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, fingers crossed. <laughs> Maybe yeah. they'll actually uh, perfect that holodeck one of these <laughs> one of these days and we can go in there and fly around to the Falcon. But uh, no, I mean, it's this is a ship that we've talked a ton about in the past. And I know we're going to talk a lot about in the future, but it's just it's one of the best. Like you said, it's one of the best uh, science fiction spaceships of all time. And uh, I don't I don't really know what else to say. It's just uh, it's an amazing it's an amazing fictional spaceship that we have in our pop culture mythos. Sure. Well, that being said, that kind of brings us to the end of the list. So what are we doing next week? Because it's your pick. Yeah. So um, so I mentioned earlier in the show that I've been watching Harry Potter. And uh, I know recently on a couple episodes, Drew, you mentioned really getting into the uh the recent olympic games and uh it's just thoughts like that that led me to my next list which i'm pretty sure we haven't done so correct me if i'm wrong but what's that (laughs) i said harry potter to the olympic games where is he going (laughs) oh you'll see you'll see the connection i thought it'd be cool to do our top five fictional sports so in any movie or show or book like fictional sports that don't actually exist so if you want to think along the lines of like quidditch from harry potter or Is murder ball from alita <laughs> i can think of four off the top of my head and i'm sure there's a lot more so oh I'm i sure. mean lot more but i was thinking yeah. myself, i was like is there five <laughs> this we, we have the potential to to match a lot so i i definitely understand that but i do think this is going to be a fun list to uh talk about so hopefully you can come up with five <laughs> yeah no if not if not it'll make for an interesting episode but i i just realized we haven't talked about this and i thought it'd be uh it'd be fun to uh delve into yeah 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 all right. Well, and you, sure. you can't you can't forget about Vic. Sorry. Sorry to jump in again. You can't oh. forget about Vic video games, too, because there's tons of fictional sport video games, I feel, too. So, um, that's, I mean, Rocket Rocket League is te- technically one. Right. So that's a good point. So video games are allowed. <laughs> that kind of opens the window a little bit. But absolutely. All right. All right well, that being said, uh, do us all a favor everyone. check out our website. Top five report.com there you'll find links to all of our social media twitter and facebook along to a link to our email top five report at gmail.com you can hit us up there 
Um, you can interact, the show with the, interact with the show by hitting us up at our email or our uh, social media. Either way works. Um, we are on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. Um, you can subscribe to us in those places. If you do, you will not miss a single episode. You can also leave us a review. We love those five stars, but we understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. I'm going to apologize once again for the sound of my voice tonight, but colds are colds. Um, you can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Uh, Peter? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre. And that's where I'll be continuing my search for the Continuum Transfunctioner. Wow. All right. <laughs> Zoltan. Yeah. <laughs> As you just like <laughs> drop the mic on that word. All right. So, all right, everyone. For the top five report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good night. Bye.